Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it'll help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. Good morning. Our first reading this morning is a reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 45. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer. And he said again, I am Joseph, your brother whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset. And don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace, and the governor of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and tell him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me master over all the land of Egypt, so come down to me immediately. You can live in the region of Goshen, where you can be near me with all your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds, and everything you own. I will take care of you there, for there are still five years of famine ahead of us. Otherwise, you, your household, and all your animals will starve. Then Joseph kissed each of his brothers and wept over them, and after that they began talking freely with him. Here ends the reading. The second reading is a reading from 1 Corinthians. But someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you are planting. Then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. The scripture tells us, The first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body. Then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth. While Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. 
What I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. Here ends the reading. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel this morning is from the sixth chapter of Luke. Jesus says, But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will all come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. For those of you I haven't met, my name is Erin Murphy, and I am the executive director of the Haitian Tamoon Foundation. The story of Good Shepherd and HTF began in 2016 when Pastor Alex and I began a conversation about ways for us to explore a partnership to serve together in Haiti. But the first bricks on this path were laid a little bit more than nine years ago when Pastor Alex went to Haiti with HTF as a seminary student. This initial connection, along with our shared commitment to loving God and loving neighbor, placed us on a journey together that remains today, that continues to this day. HTF started as an outreach ministry of a Lutheran church in Littleton, Colorado, after their pastor visited Haiti in the late 90s during his son's service in the Peace Corps. Now we're a standalone organization for almost 20 years, and HTF has continued to grow and is supported by a coalition of covenant communities all around the country. What does that mean? It means that congregations like Good Shepherd have committed to provide financial support to HTF and its partners. Sorry, um, through a specific line item in their spending plan and through individual gifts. It means that faith communities like Good Shepherd have provided supplies that we can take to to Haiti to bless our partners. It also means that uh, covenant partnership means that several of you representing Good Shepherd have traveled to Haiti with HTF. And I'll talk a little bit later about while I'm standing before you instead of unpacking my suitcase from our last week's trip. Now, where I live in Georgia... Immersion, and we say that, that we go immersion a trip, that immersion is like a method of baptism, not a method of travel. So let me explain. If you spend any time in the mission field, particularly in a developing country, often the first question people ask is, what are you going to do while you're there? While some think it's just semantics, when you travel to Haiti with HTF, you do so in the context of immersion and not mission. 
We have a strong mission and vision to foster hope and sustainability with dignity for the people of Haiti so that all may have life. We just happen to believe that this mission and vision will be realized best through the relationships that we build there. It is through those relationships that we will be transformed. We often say that we need Haiti more than Haiti needs us. The world sees poverty and sadness and hopelessness because those are the images that are beamed into our lives via the news. Those who travel to Haiti with HTF are immersed in life with our partners and find time and time again that the real stories of Haiti include richness of faith in the midst of poverty, joyful thanksgiving for life, and hopeful and hope-filled people, our brothers and sisters there. There are many complexities in helping families out of a poverty so desperate that they don't feel worthy of interacting with people even in their own communities. But one thing that's not complex is delivering on our promises. Traveling to Haiti and walking with our partners often reorders our perceptions in a life-giving way. So today's passage from Luke is a continuation of what's called Jesus' Sermon on the Level Plain. And it's difficult to preach because there are at least three or four sermons that's, that are part of this text, and I promise that I won't preach all four of them. So last week, you might have heard about those whom Jesus considered to be blessed ones. And Jesus' list of the blessed doesn't look at all like the world's list, or if we're honest, our list most of the time. Having to stand on the same level as those whom you, you've deemed less than is almost too much to imagine, too much to bear, and at the end of the day, that's just not how the world works. Jesus' first sentence today hits us where it hurts. Love your enemies. There are six words in the Bible that are translated into the one English word, love. The word used here for love, agape in Greek, does not mean romantic love or liking or even friendship. What it does mean is wholehearted, unreserved, unconditional desire for the well-being of the other. Nothing is held back. There's no hesitation, there's no calculation of costs or benefits, there's no payoffs, no expectation of receiving anything in return. There's only a total desiring of the well-being of the other for their own good. Oddly, this might also mean that you might not like the other. You might oppose some of their behavior. You might speak against some of what they stand for. But if you agape your enemies, the ways you express your dislike and opposition will always always also express your total desiring of their well-being. Jesus gives us three specific suggestions about how to agape our enemies. Do good, bless, and pray for. And this golden rule laundry list should seem like common sense to most of us, but maybe the loving part isn't the difficult part. I would argue that the enemy part of this charge from Jesus is what trips us up. It's easy to look around ourselves and point out the folks we don't like, those who have a different political viewpoint than we do, or heaven forbid, someone who doesn't think we're the funniest, smartest, or coolest person in the room, despite our efforts to prove them otherwise. What if enemy includes those who are invisible or those we don't want to see? The poor, the powerless, people living on the margins, the people who, if they just worked a little bit harder, they wouldn't be in that situation. We have so elevated the popular, the important, that which is and those whom are determined as better, those beyond our reach, it's almost as if we have no perspective of a level plane. Society has verified those on the mountaintops, and we like being on a mountain, don't we? The view from the mountain seems like a better option than being on the same level as the rest of the world. 
looking down, having the view that we want, thinking it's a better view, assuming it's a better view. The vistas are clear. There's nothing obstructing our view, nothing standing out of our way of seeing exactly what we want to see. It's a pretty good place to be. But if we're honest, even the view from a mountaintop can be uncomfortable. We can't help but realize that the view looks down. Down on those who haven't made it to our level. Down on those who we don't really want on our level. Down on those we've deemed unworthy of our level. Jesus exposes our unconscious biases and how much our perspective has been decided by our society and by our culture. Our implicit biases that have judged those in the valleys, those that are acceptable to look down on. Those deemed less than. Yes, the level plane perspective is a vision that's hard to see. I want to tell you about a woman named Louitan. I met Louitan in Mirabalay, Haiti in 2013, as she was one of an HCF-sponsored group of 100 women who were entered into a program called Chemin Lavi Mio. Chemin Lavi Mio is Haitian Creole for Pathway to a Better Life, and it helps bring Haiti's poorest women to self-sufficiency. Over the course of 18 months, CLM case managers help members on a path to a better life by providing a water filter, materials to construct a sturdy home, a latrine, two income-generating assets, and access to free health care. Case managers travel to remote areas to visit with members each week to help them address any challenges and provide ongoing life skills training. One aspect of the program is that they have a launch ceremony at the beginning. And during that program, each of the 100 women received an identification card that had their name and their picture. You cannot imagine the emotion of watching these women receive this card and perhaps seeing a picture of themselves for the very first time. In their hands, they had tangible representation of their name, their identity, proof that they are individuals who have value. Over the next 18 months, I was able to visit Louitan and five of her classmates and uh, when I traveled to Haiti four different times. And I had the privilege of getting to speak at their graduation ceremony. Last summer, it's almost three years since her graduation, I got to go visit her once again. And I'm walking down the dirt road to her house, and she comes running toward me, and she exclaimed, Zami moi, which means my friend. That's what this is all about. Building relationships that last. And when you invest in the work of HTF and our partners, you're not just investing in an idea. You're investing in the lives of real people with hopes and dreams and aspirations for a better future for themselves and for their families. And this is the kingdom of God. So last week, as you may know, 11 of us, servants from Good Shepherd and from another congregation in Ohio, were supposed to be in Haiti visiting HCF's partners. Instead, because of a series of increasingly escalating protests in Port-au-Prince and all around the country, we had to cancel our trip. The protests that lasted for almost two weeks were complex, and they were motivated by many different parties for many different reasons, political and otherwise. We can't understand the intricacies and nuances of the situation because we are not Haitian. So we might look at the news stories, and that's if you could actually find coverage of what was happening in Haiti, and think that the protesters in Haiti are terrible. It's scary to hear words like evacuation and to see elevated security warnings from the State Department and it would be very easy to conclude that the protesters are the ones who have wreaked havoc on the country and are causing so many people to suffer. 
but the suffering that is occurring now, and my friends, there is real and true suffering. It didn't start two weeks ago. It didn't start two years ago. Haitians are tired, tired of living lives without the most basic necessities, food, water, access to safe shelter. The lack of these basic human rights day after day, month after month, year after year, that's what's driving people to protest in the street. People want to be heard. They're using the human rights that they do have to fight for the human rights that they don't. They are literally sick and tired. They're sick and dying because access to health care on a good day in Haiti is difficult. They're tired because no matter how hard they work, they cannot get ahead. And while they're working harder and longer, the value of the money they earn continues to fall. So while the protest caused our inconvenience, and it blocked most of Haiti and made everything harder for a period of time, our Haitian friends and those we've not yet met know that change won't start until they are heard and seen. They don't want to be heard in a way that says, I know you're suffering and I'm sorry. They want to be heard in a way that brings change and it gives them access to the most basic of human rights. And so last week, with political and log logistical situations that were still fluid and uncertain, we made the difficult decision to cancel our travel. But I need to stress, this decision was not made out of fear. Our ultimate focus is always whether our presence in the country adds to the work of our partners. And in this case, we determined that our decision not to participate meant our partners could better focus on those they are committed to serve. Our decision to cancel our travels this week was an investment in the long-term relationships we're building here and in Haiti, despite our short-term disappointment. And so as we move forward together, we must come to terms with the fact we're, we're uncomfortable with that level plane. The persistent thought that we shouldn't be on an equal level with others. A level plane assumes a rather blurry view. You sometimes have to stand on your toes to see above others. Your vision's not clear. Things and people are in your way. Much of injusti the injustice of Haiti's current situation relates to inappropriate wielding of political power and wealthy individuals who need to keep Haiti poor so that they can remain wealthy. And so what difference does it make that this is where Jesus wants us to be and asks us to be? Not on a hill looking down on others or looking up in shame as if we're not worthy, not falling prey to the division of our world to elevate some and lower others, to not want to be elevated by others and fear being lowered. As people of faith, you and I are called to stand up and bear witness to what matters for those who live in the face of despair. And people of Good Shepherd, you have already assumed that posture of hope for so many children and families here in Cincinnati and beyond. You said yes to God's call to serve the least of these. I like to say that HTF is a group of ordinary people coming together to do extraordinary things, and you are part of that story. So placed before us now, demanded of us in Jesus' call for us to love our enemies, is our call to find the level places of life and love. The level places that insist that church and faith and belief see the world from that perspective. The level places that seek to call out the haughty and uplift the lowly. The level places of being okay with that less than clear view. Because a less than clear view might reveal things that actually enable us to see the kingdom of God. Amen. 
Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with us at any time, we would be most honored by your presence.